0: What is up, everyone? I'm Ryan from Fireside Knicks with my friend and co-host Dylan Backer. And, you know, unfortunately, this is the last post-game kind of thing of the season, right? Um, The Knicks dropped Game 6. It was a competitive game. They got off to an electric start. You're thinking, all right, they might actually do this. They might actually force a Game 7. And they were just incapable of keeping the, the, you know, the foot on the gas pedal for the rest of the game. Um, Kind of a microcosm of the entire series. They weren't able to generate consistent offense. Um, And, you know, they got sent home, right? You know end of the day when you struggle to shoot from three when you when you feel to get uh, you know consistent offense from everyone not named Jalen Brunson and you know when you are in a situation where you're trying to win these defensive matchups with the Miami Heat that's a team that's been here before that's a team that's been through these type of postseason series before they're just a more experienced team a- and they showed it they got their job done they were under understaffed as well I know we didn't have you know a, you know we don't know the extent of Julius Randle's injury situation. We, you know, Emmanuel quickly was out for games. Um, You know, Grimes missed some time and had some shoulder issues. Um, You know, but Miami was not fully healthy either. So they just flat out beat the Knicks, right? Um, Obviously, a disappointing end to the season, but certainly in a miraculous, a great season for the Knicks. Um, Dylan, first off, how are you doing today, my friend? And secondly, you know, tell me a little bit about game six and where your mindset is right now, you know, following the end of the season.
1: Right. So, I mean, you know, had a few days to kind of, Settle in the losing of game six and getting eliminated. So now we're here talking about it, you know, just to kind of recap game six. It was basically all just Jalen Brunson. You know, he had been phenomenal all postseason, and he pretty much had his best game in game six. Unfortunately, it didn't result in a win. 41 points, three assists, four rebounds, 14 22 from the field. You couldn't have asked more out of the guy. Unfortunately, the rest of the guys just did not do enough. You know, the next highest scorer was Randall, who had only 15 points, and he shot three of 14. RJ Barrett went one of 10. Kind of it was the story all postseason, you know. It was basically Jalen Brunson doing a lot of the work, and the other guys just. You know, kind of took a step back. Maybe not R.J. Barrett, but R.J. Barrett obviously didn't perform well in game six, but every other game R.J. played decent, you know. But looking at that, it was mostly just kind of the story right there. You know, Brunson played great, elevated his game in the playoffs for the second year in a row, this time with us instead of Dallas. But the rest of the guys, you know, they just... It took a step back, you know, and you're not going to win many postseason games doing that, and unfortunately, you know, it ended here in the second round to an 8 seed, which is unfortunate, but like you just said, still an incredible playoff run, they weren't even expected to make the playoffs, nevertheless make the second round, nevertheless also make the 5th seed, you know, so... Still rather a real, really good successful season for the Knicks. It's unfortunate it didn't result in a championship or at least an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. But this team is set up. You know, they have a bunch of draft picks to move around. They got a few assets on the roster such as Evan Fournier and Derek Rose to move as well. So... They got they got things to work with here and they got some leverage to use here and they can make some good moves and hopefully improve this roster a lot more and add some much needed shooting in the offseason to get an even deeper, get an even deeper run next season. You know, what do, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah. No, you know, the Knicks are in an excellent position, in my opinion, following this series ending. Right. Um, you know, they have a plethora of picks. Um, you know, they aren't in cap hell or anything like that. Yes, they have some pretty big contracts, but you know, you think of the bad ones Fournier, that one's going to end, I think after next year, because it's an option for the fourth year. Um, you know, uh, you know, your big contracts are Barrett, Randall and Brunson, right. Um, and those are kind of the three guys that you would look on paper and say, all right, those guys having the biggest contracts makes some sense, right. Um, you know, looking forward, um, they're not in a bad spot in the slightest, right? You feel like this team is is if they can make the right moves, if they can add some shooting, if they can add some depth, um, you know they they'll get better. Um, you know you'll get another year of guys like quickly and Grimes. Um, you know you'll get. Uh, you'll still have Brunson there, you'll still have Randall there, Um, you know, obviously you'll still have Barrett there, whether he will be here or not, you know, depends on what becomes available in the offseason, I guess you could say the same about Randall, Um, but you kind of know what you have, you kind of know what you are, you know what your identity is, I think it was a big year for guys like Tom Thibodeau, who, you know, I don't think was ever necessarily, Entering the season on the hot seat, but certainly at times during the season, um, you know, there was pressure from fans and, and from people um, to potentially fire him or to look for another head coaching guy. Uh, guy. Um, you know, it, it gives him another year. I think it gives the front office another year. I think it gives them a shot to reevaluate. And I think it gives them some sort of direction. Um, you know, if you're Leon Rose, you look at the process and, and you know, the um, his thought process and his uh, plans for this roster and his organization – He's starting to see, you know, fruit bear from what he's been trying to do for the last couple of years. That's definitely encouraging for the front office. Um, And, you know, again, they're in a position where whenever a star player becomes available, they can go out and get them, right? You know, interestingly enough, you know, when, yes, you know, people will say, well, they missed on Donovan Mitchell. But, you know, is Donovan Mitchell, if you added Donovan Mitchell to this team right now, given what you would have to subtract, would they have gotten to the NBA Finals? I don't think so right? I don't think they would have been in a position to beat the Boston Celtics uh, in a seven game series. Not impossible, but certainly not the, uh, you know, likely outcome. And if you look at the cab situation, what picks do they have to really get that much better uh, entering next season, right? You know, you unloaded all your picks for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I'm not saying the Mitchell trade has been bad for them. Uh, They needed a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Um, But, you know, Leon Rose's very careful approach and very, you know, I have to wait for the guy to make that trade for, I think is proving to be, the right decision, right? The Knicks have a really high ceiling relative to a team that's not a finals contender, um, you know, without necessarily unloading all those picks, right? They got their guy in Jalen Brunson with a 100 and something million dollar contract, right? Like the 50th uh, highest AAV uh, amongst all NBA players currently, right? Like they're paying him top 50 NBA money, like not even close to, um, you know, got other point guards who you would consider on his level. So I think, contractually picks wise everything looks good for the Knicks it's just a matter of adding what they need and I think the big thing in this series is evident is shooting you know what are your thoughts on the Knicks spacing situation you know uh how do you feel about that and and do you agree with me that that's kind of the priority at this point
1: right it shooting is undoubtedly the priority at this point you know that was clearly like their one major flaw all postseason you know it was a big flaw during the regular season of course too but it really kind of started to really show in the postseason you're not gonna win playoff games you can't shoot It's as simple as that. You know, Miami didn't even have, like, you know, an amazing series themselves. I wouldn't even necessarily say Miami beat us. I would say that we kind of just beat ourselves. You know, the Knicks kind of just shot themselves out of these games. You know, consistently shooting, like, below 30% from three. A lot of guys taking bad shots, inefficiency. You know, everyone was not hitting their shots. Nothing was going. You know, you would think maybe after one decent shooting game, they would start to get going, but then they'd take a step back and continue to go back to shooting, like, 20% from three. That's not going to cut it, you know. There's a lot of guys on the floor. You have to you have to kind of surround, you know, Brunson and Randall and these guys with other players that you know teams are going to have to respect from three. You know, when you have guys like when you you know Quentin Grimes is obviously their you know their best shooting option, but when he's not shooting the ball well, teams aren't going to respect him as much. You know, and when your other options are R.J. Barrett, who's not very a very good three point shooter. Josh Hart, who is a solid three point shooter but doesn't take a lot of them, and then Obi Toppin. When those are your best shooters in that kind of order, that's not really a good thing. You know, you need to find guys that, you know, especially in the wing spots, that can shoot the ball very, very good and on a very good high level. You know, some guys that come into mind, maybe like Cam Johnson, who's a free agent. You know, you could go after someone like that. You know, we're not gonna speculate too much into the offseason just yet, but you know, it's time it is time to start thinking about it because it is clear that the main issue was shooting right if you if they could just shoot the ball a little better in some of these games we could be right sitting here right now talking about previewing game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals for the Knicks but unfortunately we aren't you know so we just have to look at what this roster looks like right now and see what adjustments have to be made because clearly there are adjustments that have to be made, but we're in a good spot because, you know, we got a bit ahead of schedule making the second round already in the first year of having Jalen Brunson. Brunson kind of blossomed into a star throughout the regular season and then really in the postseason. So now we can almost undoubtedly say he's probably a top five point guard in the NBA. I can comfortably say that. I don't know if you can, but I definitely can say that at this point. You know, at this point, I think he's pretty much earned all of his respect. You know, he pretty much, this second year in a row now that Brunson has shined in the postseason, and then he does it in the first year with the Knicks, pretty much elevated this Knicks team into, I wouldn't go as far as the finals contender just yet, but they're a respectable playoff team, a playoff team that you have to, like, take seriously, you know, so... Just looking at that, I think it's just, you know, a matter of surrounding these guys with the right pieces. You know, I'm not saying, like, all these pieces are necessarily, like, bad fits. It's just, you know, there's clearly needs to be some tweaks and some adjustments. And I do think shooting is the main priority. So that's kind of my thought on it. What, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, as you mentioned, you know, Jalen Brunson wasn't just good in the postseason. He was one of the best players and one of the best scorers in the postseason. Um, You know, and and we were talking about this a little bit before we recorded, you know, it's hard to find playoff risers, right? Typically guys become less efficient in the postseason. You know, they're seeing better defensive coverages. They're playing against higher quality competition. You're not going to have, you know, hey, let me go feast on the Charlotte Hornets for a game here or there. Um, You know, you're facing these elite level teams, typically some of the best defenses in the NBA. Rarely do you see the best defense in the NBA not make the postseason, right? Um, So if you're Jalen Brunson, you know, you can't look at it and say anything other than this guy has been everything the Knicks have wanted and more, right? Um, You know, he's truly elevated this team to another level Um and, and they feel like they're one star away or they're a little bit better shooting away, at least from getting to the Easter Conference Finals. But maybe a wing type guy, you know, maybe they're that away from going out and being a finals contender, right? Um, This team is really good, right? This team was really good this year. This team made adjustments. They made changes. They were able to get slightly better. You know, it does suck that... You know, if you look at what this team was when Josh Hart first got here, that type of team probably would have won this series, um, but they just didn't play to that talent level. The talent on the roster never changed between now and, you know, March, but um, the performance did. That's really what it comes down to. Um, but as you mentioned, you know, we're not going to speculate too much on who those guys could be right now because, I mean, we're not even done with the regular season or the excuse me, the postseason, right? Like, you know, yesterday we could have said, um, you know, what what could the Knicks potentially look at a Jalen Brown type well, the Celtics are about to go into the Easter Conference Finals, potentially win it and go to the finals. Do they want to start moving pieces or, you know, thinking about separating that duo when they they could have their second finals berth in two years with that duo? Not necessarily. Um, now, do you look at the 76ers? Maybe. But even then, I have no idea what that's going to look like. We're not even 24 hours removed from their elimination. So what they will do, what they'll choose to do, how they'll choose to react to this is up in the air. Um, but all we can control is what, you know, is currently available for us for the Knicks. All the Knicks can control is what they do in free agency, um, how they choose to, uh, you know, navigate with this roster, but they're certainly encouraging pieces. You know, I guess a question I have for you is looking into next year, like, who's that, like, Emmanuel quickly. not that he took a massive leap from year two to three, as in, like, he was, like, bad to good, um, but he went from a solid player to a really good player, right? Um, you know... I think Solid's underselling. He was a good player and he became an even better player, right? Who's that guy that you think, you know, they've shown some flashes of being able to perform at a higher level. Who do you think could take, you know, a big step in their game uh, next year and become kind of like a surprise contributor for the Knicks that's currently on the roster right now?
1: Right. So, you know, a surprise contributor, you know, it would probably be Emmanuel quickly, you know, considering how much he elevated his game a little bit and kind of jolted himself into the six-man conversation this season. He finishes the runner-up, actually. You know, so... I definitely think he can become that that quote-unquote surprise contributor. You know, hopefully he can, like, elevate to maybe a 16-point-per-game season even, which would be phenomenal off the bench, right? But even if he were to possibly get inserted into the starting lineup, you know, there is that possibility that does arise because we have seen Quickly be able to play the point guard and shooting guard. So that's a possibility as well. So even if that happens, maybe we could end up seeing him average more points. You know, it's definitely going to be a big year for him because pretty soon Quickly is going to want to get paid, and the Knicks are going to have to make a decision about that, whether they choose to pay Quickly to keep him around or look after somebody else to kind of replace him in a way that's those are decisions we haven't you know that are obviously not going to be made right now but those are decisions that are going to have to be made at some point so this would definitely be a big year for quickly in that regard and another guy i want to mention I want to mention RJ here, and you may, may be surprised a little bit that I'm mentioning RJ, who's supposed to be like the main guy at the big three, but you know, we all know he had a down year this year, we all know that, and the regular season was not the most, it wasn't the best regular season we've seen out of RJ, you know, very inefficient, very topsy-turvy, up and down season, he really showed up in the playoffs though, you know, after the first two games of the, this postseason, it looked like he was just going to continue to regress, he really stepped up, and he became like that playoff guy, that p- playoff performer that we were hoping we could develop, you know? Obviously we had Jalen Brunson around, but you know, Brunson was already a known playoff performer, so you kind of knew what you were gonna get out of him. You know, obviously Brunson played even better this year in the playoffs than last year, but I think the point still stands. But with RJ, you know, he really stepped up in this postseason. I think he kind of showed like, you know, he can be a massive contributor to this team for a very long time if he can continue to do that. You know, at the end of the day, if you make the playoffs, all you really want to do is just see these guys step up in that postseason. Right, there's a big difference between performing well in the regular season and performing well in the playoffs. You know, you can perform great in the regular season all you want, but if you take a step back in the playoffs, you know, you're not going to get as much credit for what you did in the regular season because, at the end of the day, it's just the regular season. You know the playoffs is where everything matters. That's where you win championships. That's where you get these, get all that stuff, right? So seeing what RJ did this postseason was just very encouraging. You know, obviously he didn't have a good game six. I'm not just going to point the finger at him though, because I mean everybody except Jalen Brunson had a bad game six. So I'm not going to you know just rag rag on him about that. Every other game except game six, you know, he was great you know, he was way more aggressive. He was actually getting to the paint. He wasn't, you know, he was still shooting a bit of threes, you know, and I'm kind of iffy on that because, you know, we all know he's not really a great shooter. If he could improve his three-point shot in the offseason and become a really good shooter next season, that would be great. But for the way I see it, RJ needs to just stick to his strength. Keep going to the basket. Keep getting your points inside. He needs to realize he's a lot stronger than everybody else on the court or most of the people on the court, at least. You know, he needs to take that to his advantage. And I think we kind of saw that this postseason. You know, he stepped up. And, you know, usually when he doesn't play well, he owns up to it and knows he needs to make an adjustment. And he does. You know, and I really I really admire that. I admire that kind of work ethic. So I really do think RJ is in line to have a bigger, much much better next season. I think this playoff run kind of gave him a little confidence, a little bit that he really can step up. So I'm really hoping that next season he can take that even bigger leap than he did, you know, last season when he really went off in the second half. You know, I'm hoping he can make that become a you know season long thing, not just a second half thing. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, you know, I wonder what the future for R.J. Barrett with the Knicks looks like, right? You know, a couple of things. Number one, um, anyone with a big contract not named Jalen Brunson is going to be on a trade block just because of how the NBA works with salary fillers and all of that. Um, But also, you know, if you're the Knicks and you're looking for a wing, right, you have... Your three spot looks pretty open, right? Like you're not going to complain if you go from RJ Barrett to another wing, um, considering the performance last year and just kind of the questions about whether you can have RJ Randall and Brunson all the court at the same time succeeding in similar at the same time, right? We see that typically it's either Randall's out of lineup or not playing well. And that's when Barrett plays well. Um, and not to say that they're you know, that not that they don't like each other, that, that like whether you like each other or not has nothing to do with your synergy on the court, right? Um, you know, certain players just don't play well together. I wonder if that creates any sort of buzz at all. Um, but you know, I I don't know how good I don't know how good RJ Barrett will be next year. I think a lot of that depends on defense and three point shooting, which are two variables that, you know, def- defense is one of those things where it's like how do you how do you go from a solid defender to a bad defender then back to a good defender i'm not an nba coach so i'm not necessarily sure what the game plan is for rj barrett there though i'm, I'm sure the knicks and, and and barrett will look at that all off season um you know it's just the little things it feels like right the little things have to just be better for rj barrett um you know the talent is still there he's still a player he was you know in terms of the, he's still the person he was two years ago he's still uh it's not like he's had a major life altering injury or anything of the sort that has changed his caliber of play he is still Still the same person he was. Everything's still intact. I just I wonder what um, changes they're going to have to make in the offseason to have him be a better defender. Because if he repeats a season like this next year, there are not going to be no question marks about what they're going to have to do. Because at this point, right, you know, he had a good postseason. You hope that carries over. But um, we're now in year five of RJ Barrett, and we're not sure what type of player he is just yet. So year four kind of felt like the year where you had to figure it out. Year five is definitely the year you have to figure this out. But, you know, for a guy that I think can take a big leap next year, I was also hinting at this before the episode, Miles McBride, right? I am a Miles McBride guy. And I think that not saying he's going to, you know, take the Emmanuel quickly leap, you know, go from solid bench player uh, to, you know, a six man of the year candidate. But I think he can go from, hey, you know, if he can find his three-point shot, you know, he was not a bad shooter in college, so it's not like this is a career-long thing. Um, If he can find his shot, shoot like 35 to 36% from three, Uh, if he can do that with his defense, he's already, statistically speaking, a net positive for the Knicks. If you look at like on-off and net rating, um, I know that he makes the offense worse. But if you put him in that second unit and he has quickly and heart and he's, let's say, the point guard or their shooting guard, I only really know, I mean, NBA positions are pretty, uh, you know, transparent here, uh, but if he's, you know, running the point, if he's, you know, allowed to be a playmaker, but more importantly, just be the primary defensive option for that second unit and become an option potentially in certain closing lineups, if need be, I think he can totally do that. I don't think that's out of the cards uh, or out of the realm of possibility for McBride. He's still pretty young. He just needs to find a three point shot. The defensive value is there. I still think overall he's a net positive for the Knicks. I think that the Knicks are better with him than without him. Um, But I do think he's a player that you can look at next year. Get the three-point percentage up. You know, become not an offensive positive, but not an offensive detriment, right? Just be just be okay, just be good enough that the Knicks don't take a significant drop off with you on the court. And I think you can, you can see Miles McBride become a regular contributor for this Knicks team and kind of another one of those fun young players. The Knicks have drafted really well. So I also trust them to take a guy they've drafted and, and get the most out of them. Um, but another guy I could think that would be interesting is like Quinn and Grimes. Like, what do you, what do you think about Quinn and Grimes looking into next year, right? This will be his third year in the league. He took a pretty big leap from first year to this year. He takes on really difficult defensive matchups, right? We know that he has talent as a scorer, as a finisher, as more than just a 3 and D guy. What do you think year 3 looks like for Quentin Grimes and how important is it for him to take another step?
1: Right, so I mean, you know, Quentin Grimes, big year coming up. I mean, he took a big leap this year. He averaged nearly 12 points and he shot 40% from 3. He got inserted into starting lineup about about early on in the season, you know, like I think it was like November or something like that, that they put him in and, you know, benched Evan Fournier for good. But, you know, I also think he could be used as a trade piece, you know, and that's not saying like I want to definitely get rid of Quentin Grimes. No, I don't think Quentin Grimes is a detriment to the team. I think he has value though, and I think that value we could use to our advantage and use him as a trade piece for, you know, quite frankly, a guy that can move the needle for us. You know, teams have seen what Quentin Grimes does and like that. They like his, you know, his hustle, they like his fast play, they like his, you know, his shooting, obviously, and his defense, all that stuff. Teams like that. And, you know, as a Knicks fan, I like that too, and I'm glad he's on the team and I'm glad he's able to contribute. But, You know, given that he's a young piece, you know, and stuff like that, and that he, you know, is right now at good value, I think if the Knicks really want to make a move for like a superstar player or even not even like a superstar, just like a decent and, you know, not decent, but like, you know, a star level talent at the wing spot, then I feel like Grimes could be a target. And that's not like a bad thing. You know, obviously is an NBA player that you would never want to have to get traded. Right. But, you know, for the Knicks, that could be a better thing. You know, there, there are good options out there that they can pursue and you and use Grimes as a way to kind of leverage those teams into wanting to pull the trigger and make that move, right? You know, and if Grimes were to stay on the Knicks, you know, I'll kind of dive into this a little bit. If he were to still be suiting up for the New York Knicks next season, I do think he can take a bigger leap, you know, getting, a you know, most... Full, mostly full season in the starting lineup definitely gives you confidence a little bit. Obviously, getting benched for a couple games in the playoffs can hurt it a little bit. But I feel like you know the fact that he that Tom Thibodeau was able to trust him for 48 minutes is a confidence boost in that self for Grimes alone. You know, I definitely think Grimes can take a bigger leap if he can really just you know put in the work and kind of you know improve the three-point shot a little bit you know obviously he shot really well in regular season but you know there obviously are still some flaws in that you know sometimes he's reluctant to take three sometimes he's too trigger happy kind of topsy-turvy with that if he could just find some consistency with his shot selection and you know slow down a little bit and kind of play with the pace of the game instead of you know trying to outpace it you know because sometimes he tries to do that sometimes he'll play a little too fast look like go in the corner with that baseline drive go way too fast you know, and like the person he dumps it off to is just not expecting it. That's not Grimes' fault at at times. Sometimes it's the other person's fault, but at the same time you also want Grimes to kind of just flow with the rhythm of the game and not try to go too fast. You know, he talks really fast too, so I guess he's just a really fast person. (laughs) But, you know, regardless of that, um, looking at it from a basketball standpoint, I definitely think Grimes can, you know, really elevate to another level next season if he's still here with us. I definitely can see that. I can see him becoming a big piece, but I also can see him being a trade piece. So I definitely think he's someone with a big question mark above his head for what his role on this team is going to be, if it's going to be on this team at all. So I guess we'll figure that out. But what do you think about all that?
0: Yeah, I'm. I think Quentin Grimes is like the perfect mix of good enough to get traded and be valued piece, but also good enough that if the Knicks were to keep him around and like invest in his development, they could get you know pretty good results. Like I wouldn't be shocked if like the Knicks were to trade him in a deal, and he goes out, and he averages an efficient sixteen points a game on good defense, right? Um, because I just think he's that type of player. We we see what he's capable of with greater opportunities, right? And kind of the the weird thing is that you feel like he could be an elite level role player but you know on the Knicks he can't be much more than that because of the fact that you know not not saying this is a bad thing of course but because of course you have Brunson and Randall there and those guys are better scores than he is so they're going to get a, a higher percentage of looks right now and you can't really provide that to Grimes but can he be more aggressive and kind of take more of those uh, you know those minutes that are up for grabs or those shots that are up for grabs absolutely so uh interesting to see how that development for him will go but I agree with you on all your points you know it, it's just a matter of refining his game and getting confidence and kind of seeing, you know, is, you know, again, is he an elite level role player or is he capable of being, you know, a multi-faceted uh, type of scorer? Is he capable of doing that consistently? We'll have to wait and see, but um, he's certainly athletic enough and he's and certainly got, you know, I
1: want to add too. you know, obviously Grimes is still very young. He's only like in his early 20s. I don't know his exact age. I don't have it in front of me, but he's 22. Yeah, Yeah. so, you know, very, very young. You know, obviously plenty of time to develop him and stuff like that. So it's not like we're necessarily saying, oh, they need to trade Quentin Grimes. We need to give up on him. No, of course not. You know, he's young. You don't want to do that. But, you know, at the same time, with how much value he has currently, you might want to take advantage of that. You know, this is a team that isn't necessarily looking at the draft anymore and looking for long-term building. This is a team that's ready to win right now. This is a team that's ready to make those win-now moves, you know, ready to make the trade for that big superstar that could thread the needle or, you know, star player if it's not a superstar. This is a team that's, you know, not as not really looking to, you know, draft somebody and make them become a, you know, a significant piece. This is a team that's ready to, you know, maybe use those picks in trades for players that are already established, players that have already established, you know, role star, you know, type players and stuff like that and you know just establishes themselves as a good nba player you know this is a team that's ready to do that you know they just made the second round they're not just gonna you know take a step back and go oh we made the second round but you know we're back to our building you know no they're like okay we made the second round how do we get better and how do we get to the eastern conference finals and then the nba finals you know those are just some points i wanted to add on that what do you think
0: yeah, you know, one of the big things that I think you clarified that is important to clarify is that we're not sitting here and, and, and begging for him to be traded. It's just that we what we have to recognize both possibilities, one, the one where he's on the Knicks and then the one where he's valued enough to be a part of the bigger trade. And the Knicks aren't going to be afraid to trade him if it's their guy, right? Like, again, I, I don't think... That guy has necessarily become available over the course of the Leon Rose tenure, right? You know, yes, have there been really high-level players traded? Yeah, but was Kevin Durant ever going to get traded to the Knicks? No. Was James Harden ever going to get traded to the Knicks? No. Was, uh, were they ever going to get, you know, again, Donovan Mitchell was the guy that they were interested in, but was he, is he the defensive, offensive threat? Um, is he the the two-way wing that this team needs with, you know, a Jalen Brunson type and kind of um, their lineup and roster construction? Also, no. So, um, you know, that guy hasn't become available for them just yet. That like dream player. So when he does, I imagine Knicks will go all in. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that front. But, you know, kind of the one guy that I think is probably the most controversial figure on the New York Knicks right now is Julius Randle. Now, I'm going to say first, you know, the video of people like defacing him at Madison Square Garden, I think is beyond disrespectful. Um, the Knicks aren't in the second round or in a position to be in the second round without uh, Julius Randle. If you thought that this team was going to walk into the first round and knock off one of the 76ers, Milwaukee Bucks, or the Boston Celtics, maybe the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis, but, but that's maybe, that's maybe, right? Um you're crazy, right? The Knicks needed to be the fifth seed. Julius Randle is a huge reason they were the fifth seed, right? Massive reason. It wasn't like the Knicks ran away with the fifth seed. It's like there was a massive gap between wins in the Eastern Conference. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Miami had three or four fewer wins than we did, and they were the eighth seed. So, um, you know... There is no, there is really no way to, for me to say this. I'm going to double check this right now. Yeah, the Knicks were two games ahead of the Nets for the sixth seed, um, and they were three games ahead of uh, Miami. So, had the Knicks fallen, just, the Knicks just lost two games here and there, take away two of Julius Randle's phenomenal games, right? That they went on and won. The Knicks get knocked out in the first round, and we're sitting here two weeks before today, three weeks even before today, talking about the, the season. Hey, it was a, success, a successful regular season. They just got outmatched in the postseason, and we expected that. The Knicks got a postseason that they could actually watch. We actually got a postseason we could watch and compete in, feel the thrill of winning a postseason, in, all because the Knicks actually got a first-round matchup they could win, and that is in large part because of Julius Randle. Do you want If you want to sit here and say, hey, the Knicks are going to have to maybe look to move Julius Randle for a bigger star if they want to win a finals, that's an entirely different conversation. But if you're going to sit here and deface the guy, if you're going to call him a loser, that he stinks, that you hate him, that this and that, all because of this postseason series, I don't think you understand the value he's had to this team, not just this year, but he also carried the Knicks to the postseason two years ago. And I don't think if the Knicks made the postseason two years ago, Jalen Brunson would have had any interest in coming to New York. Because then this would have been a team that hadn't had the made the postseason over a decade. Look, I get it. His dad is Rick Brunson and he works with the Knicks. Do you think Jalen Brunson would only want to play with the Knicks just because his dad is there? Absolutely not. He would have taken a contract with the Mavs, or maybe he would have gone somewhere else. But the Knicks not being horrific over the last three years is a big reason why they are able to attract a guy like Jalen Brunson. There have been players of Jalen Brunson's caliber to hit free agency. He's not the first guy to hit free agency of his caliber, um, and and they don't choose to go to the Knicks, and they have no interest in going to the Knicks. So, you know, Julius Randles played an intrinsic role in this team getting to the point where he is right now. I don't know if you disagree with me in this, here, but I, I, just, I feel like it's insane to go from criticizing a guy to, hey, let's defend face this guy we got to write on you know trade me and this and that because he lost and he failed in one instance in the postseason where yes it was bad but he's the only reason why we're here in the first place
1: right I mean like you know listen I understand Randall has struggled in the postseason this season and he struggled in the postseason in 2021 I get that and I understand maybe the question is now can Randall necessarily be the guy on this team? That I understand. That is a question. You know, it is something that you have to think about. But it's entirely different to, you know, just think about something simple like that and a basketball move to completely defacing the guy and pretty much making it almost like a personal attack on the guy. You know, this guy is a human at the same time, okay? This guy's not just some, you know, AI form of entertainment that you watch on TV or when you go to the arena, you watch on the court. No, he's a human, okay? He's not going to be perfect. We never. He was never a perfect NBA player, you know? It's things like that that's just you know, it, some Knicks fans are just a little wild with that. You know, I understand there's frustration. I understand we're passionate about our team, but when you're going as far as you know, take down his poster at MSG and write write on it and vandalize it and stomp on it, that's just disrespectful. That's not even at at that point. it's not even just like you're just showing out your frustration have a loss. No, that's just being flat out disrespectful to another human being. It's simple as that. I mean, you know, I even said this the other day on on Twitter. I don't think any other Knicks player would get this kind of treatment, even if they were an all star. Like, could you imagine uh, Jalen Brunson if he had a bad postseason? Would Knicks do this to his poster? Would they stomp on it? Would they write on him? I don't think so. I don't think they would do that right, so just looking at that, I mean, like, I understand, too, like, you know, Randall has his moments with his attitude or his body language, you know, sometimes you wonder if he cares at times, I get it, I understand that, but at the end of the day, he's still a very productive NBA player, still, he's not, he's an all-NBA level player twice, he's made two all-NBA teams in the past three seasons, and that wasn't by accident, that was because he performed at a high level, so, you know, sometimes it just, he has a rough postseason and it happens. I get it. You want him to contribute more in the postseason. And I get it. You have to wonder now if he should be the guy on this team or not. I understand. Those are serious questions to be answered. You know, I agree with that. But I don't agree with, you know, completely defacing the guy and riding him off as some trash bum or some, you know, non productive NBA player. That's just not true. He's the reason, he's a big reason why we were even, the fifth seed in the first place, big reason why, you know, we even got as far as we did, you know what I mean, he's the reason, he 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 turned this franchise around, and I think we're failing to acknowledge that, he turned this franchise around pretty much on his own, and he's pretty, you know, now he has a budding partner in Brunson, and hopefully, if he's still around next season, he has another budding partner that can really get this team to where it wants to be, you know, so, I think we need to acknowledge that, like, you know, Randall's a big reason why we are in this position. We can't just ignore that. It sucks that, you know, he didn't perform as well as he did in the regular season, this postseason. Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, I I totally understand that. I understand he didn't perform at at the level we wanted him to perform at. But you also got to realize that this is a human This is not gonna. He's not a robot. He's not gonna be perfect. You know, sometimes teams figure you out. It happens. That's what. That's what you have off seasons for. You make those adjustments. You better your game. You sharpen some things that were you know not working out for you, and you come out stronger and better next season. You know, hopefully that is the case. Hopefully Randall doesn't regress. I do think he really put up a statement this season after a rough 2022, 2021, 2022 season, and then really stepped up this season with an all NBA level performance and quite frankly his best season of his career. So, you know, I have confidence that Randall can really improve next season. I honestly do. I've been very high on Randall all season long. You know, I've always been a big Randall truther. You know, I know some guys don't like Randall. I understand. Maybe you just don't like the player, but don't hate the guy. The guy is not a bad guy whatsoever. You know, some of these people are writing him off like he's a bad person. You know, even Kenyon Martin went on, went, you know, on the internet, on a podcast and got mad at Randall for kissing his wife and kid after a win. Like, why are we getting mad about that? I don't understand. That It doesn't make sense to me. You know, some things like that make you feel more personal rather than, oh, I don't like Randall the basketball player. No, it feels like you don't like Randall the person. And that's kind of disgusting in my opinion. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I think that I was actually wanted to mention that, you know, right when when I finished, I think I was like, oh man, I forgot to mention that part. Uh, Like, hey, look, you can, again, like, uh, if we want to criticize a guy for, for kissing his wife after a playoff win or, you know, in a playoff environment, um, I, I think you got to get your priorities in check. I think you got to worry about something else. You got to pick up a hobby. Um, you know, it's the weather's pretty good. You know, even upstate here, the weather's pretty good. You go for a walk. Um, you know, go play some hoops with your friends. I don't know. Uh, figure out something to do because you, you need a hobby if you're, if you're getting obsessed over this. Um, you know, and, and end of the day, right? Like, as you mentioned, it feels like for the longest, you know, it's always been personal attacks on Randall. It's never been like, hey, the dude is didn't play well. It's People have never been able to consistently just as a whole be critical without being personal and another thing that really sucks about all of this is that it wipes away and like you know this, he had an all-nba season right i believe this is the second all-nba team if i'm not mistaken um his second all-star yes, his the year. second
1: all-nba team he was third all-nba team this year in 2021 he was second all-nba team yeah. but all-nba is all-nba so right
0: like how many guys on how many guys outside of carmelo anthony in the last two or three decades for the knicks or no, not two decades excuse me have been Twice on the All-NBA team. I don't know if Kristaps got two. I don't think he did. Um, and then I'm trying to think. No, he did yeah. not. So uh, it might literally be Carmelo. I don't even, I, I'm not even, because of the, just the depth of the wing position. I'm not even, con- I think he may have gotten two, maybe. Um, but think about that. You know, I was,
1: all, I, dude, how many. It's just like, you know, this is the way I see it. We finally have an all-star and we're treating him like he's a bum. Yeah. I understand. We've been, you know, this Knicks team has been begging for an all star level talent for a decade. We thought we had one in Porzingis, and unfortunately, it just didn't pan out. Got hurt after one all star season. It didn't work out. We get a new one in Randall, who has actually got us to the playoffs this time. You know, no disrespect to Porzingis, but we didn't get to the playoffs with him. You know, so we finally get an all star that gets us this far to where we want to be, to a relevant franchise again, an attractable destination. And this is how we treat him. It doesn't make sense it doesn't feel right that's just the way I see it what do you think yeah no um and I and I just confirmed
0: this um you know Carmelo has had two with the Knicks so it's him and it's Julius Randle those are your two like multi all-NBA players for the New York Knicks basically in my lifetime right now is Julius Randle the a Hall of Famer the way that Carmelo is no I understand that right and I love Carmelo Anthony that the dude was awesome right but I think that that matters, right? And I think that that matters. I think, and as you mentioned, you know, it, it matters to have – to reach this level of success, right? Again, you can criticize a guy, but you finally get your consistent all-star. And you have him and Brunson put together a magical season together. And they do – they win 53 games. It this is, again, like the best New York Knicks team since the Carmelo led – when when he initially got here. That Knicks team, right? You know, the, you think of you know, Knicks tape, think of all that stuff, those fun memories. That's a decade ago, right? I was – I, I was eight, you know what I mean? I'm 18 now. I was in middle school. I'm in college now, right? Um, I imagine you were in middle school or in, in elementary school, whatever, that time period. And now you're in college as well. So we've grown up basically our entire lives between, we've had the majority of our life con- contain itself between the two eras of good Knicks basketball. We finally get you know consistently good basketball and this is how we treat these guys. So I, I, I 100% agree with you. You know, th- th- this, the treatment about Julius Randle, the discussion about Julius Randle, it doesn't have to change. We don't have to pretend he didn't have a bad postseason. He did. He had a bad postseason. But we don't have to get personal. We don't have to take this beyond what it needs to be, right? Um, and I think that that's really – the that's how I feel about it. I don't know if you have any final thoughts about Randall, the season in general, or anything else you want to mention. Um, but, yeah,
1: no. I mean, take the floor. Right. Like, you know, I don't want to just sit here and, you know, rag on Knicks fans for how they treated Randall these past couple of days. It's not how I want to be. You know, I it, we had to bring it up because, I mean, it was just, you know, not right of a, not right to see. It was pretty, you know – quite frankly disgusting but you know i'm not going to sit here and just rag on people for that i understand frustration i'm not excusing that the kind of behavior but i understand there is frustration that boiled over and hopefully you know people will settle down and kind of get a reality check and realize that randall did get us this far so we can't treat him like this but you know just to kind of give my final thoughts on the season it was a great season. You know, as simple as that, great season. I mean, we started off season 10 and 13, looked like things were going to go downhill. And then from December 4th on, 37 and 22. Everything changed. When Tom Thibodeau made those adjustments to get Cam Reddish, Derrick Rose, Evan Fournier, all those guys out of the rotation and sublimed with, you know, Deuce McBride, have Jericho Sims play a little bit, you know, give give guys like Emmanuel quickly a larger role things changed. You know, Tibbs finally, you know, we, we, we were wondering all of last season, when was Tibbs going to make the adjustment? When was he going to make the change to get this team better? You know, he did it this season. This season he did. He made that big adjustment that got us to a really good team and got us to the second round, you know, and then adding Josh Hart really elevated things even more. I don't think it's a coincidence that we go 20-9 and nine with Josh Hart the rest of the way in the season. It's not a coincidence at all. You know, I really was really pleased with the what what happen this season really pleased with it overall it was a very fun season it stinks it didn't end in a championship but you know it's part of the process you're not going to go straight from not being a good team to a finals team unless you're the Phoenix Suns but even they didn't win the championship so just looking at that I'm really excited for next season I'm hoping for some major improvements you know we'll talk more about offseason additions and what what the Knicks should do as this offseason goes along we're not just going to go away no we'll still be here talking about all that stuff but in terms of the season, it was really fun. I was, really, you know, really fun to talk about, really fun to cover this this Knicks team. Really fun to talk about all these wins. There were ups and downs, of course, but it was still really fun talking about it. Those are kind of my final thoughts on it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, overall, it was a fun season. It was an excellent season to get to cover. Um, you know, we really started this podcast right around the time. Actually, you know, funny enough, we got we started this podcast thing right around the time. Uh, you know, the Josh Hart stuff happened, and you know, the Knicks we took off so. Um, it was plenty of fun. There was a lot to talk about. There were ups, there were downs. Um, there were there was the exhilaration of entering the postseason, the exhilaration of winning a postseason series, um, you know, watching the Knicks do what they were capable of doing. You know, I know that game five ended up not mattering because the Knicks lost anyways, but that was still an awesome performance to just watch Jalen Brunson go out there and dominate the way he did. Um, you know, seeing guys like Emmanuel Quickly, you know, Quinn and Grimes, you know, just Guys that, not that they weren't good players before, but they were really young role players, find their identity and find their confidence in this league was amazing. And, of course, doing this podcast with you was awesome, right? And we're going to continue to do this podcast, of course. But, you know, to close the curtains on what was an incredible season, um, we want to thank you guys, obviously, on behalf of uh, Dylan and behalf of all of Fireside Knicks and ESM. We want to thank you guys for tuning into the podcast, whether you watched one episode, whether this is your first episode, whether you watch, you know, this podcast frequently, um, whether you just follow. Follow us on our socials, whatever it may be. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We appreciate you guys checking us out. We will do offseason content. Obviously, we'll talk about the draft, the lottery, all that stuff. Um, we're gonna talk about offseason stuff, you know, whether it's uh, you know trade rumors or free agency rumors, um, and we'll have you guys with content, right? We'll make sure we keep pumping that out, and we hope to continue to grow as podcasters and continue to grow, um, and, and hopefully this roster grows with us. So, with that being said, thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode and for this season. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Again, we're doing much more content after this. This is not the end of Five it's just the end of this season um, and we appreciate you guys continued support you guys can follow our personal twitter accounts to check out what we've got tweeting and what we've got going on and we'll see you guys in the next episode i'm ryan garcia signing off for the last time this postseason this is my co-host dylan backer he's signing off for the last time this postseason peace out